Welcome to our latest Business Leader Insight. We're delighted to be joined today by Jacqueline Gold. Jacqueline is the CEO of Anne Summers. It's uh, Anne Summers' 50th birthday this year. So we'll be talking to Jacqueline about that journey, about her success in business, about female empowerment and inspiration. So please do follow us on all of our usual uh, social channels on Twitter, LinkedIn uh, and Instagram. And welcome, uh, Jacqueline. I just want to want to start by saying what what's keeping you busy at the moment, Jacqueline. Oh, um, well, my you know I'm so lucky, Ollie, that my job is so varied. You know that um, you know I can be in sort of budget meetings one day, and you know doing something like this another day. Mm. Um, but I guess you know our focus is very much on on growth, on growing the business. Actually, during quite challenging times, which for us has also created some opportunities. So I think. You know, it's uh, it's identifying those opportunities as well and, and um, making the most of them. But certainly, you know, growing our categories, growing our partnerships and, uh, yeah, dealing with the challenges that we, we all face at the moment. Brilliant. And um, we'll talk about the, the, the future of the business in a bit. I just want to kind of start at the start, though. I mean, when, when you were kind of growing up, when did you first realise that, that you weren't from an ordinary family and, and you were going to kind of potentially have, have a life in business? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, my dad was in business and, and it wasn't really talked about. My dad didn't really talk about his business, but I think that was the sign of the times, you know. And I don't think my dad ever imagined me to go into business, by the way, uh, because I was a girl. And I think in those days, it was boys that followed in the father's footsteps. So in my case, I was just incredibly hardworking. So I was really keen to have financial independence. I wanted to, whilst I had, you know, ambitions, which essentially were quite creative because I'm a creative person, um, I certainly didn't expect to go into the line of business that I did go into. And I think that, you know, you'll find a lot with entrepreneurs. I think they, they tend to stumble across their opportunities. Um, and it's all about whether you take that opportunity which I did because I was invited by chance to a Pippa D sort of Tupperware style party uh, in Thamesmead. And it was at that party that I came up with the idea. What, you know, when you kind of first started at Anne Summers, what, how would you describe the environment there? The environment was very male dominated. It was, I mean, you, you know, take a, one of the stores, for example, you know, they would be the sort of raincoat brigade would be the type of customer. Um, probably 10% of our customers then were women. So it was, it was not somewhere where women would want to shop. But I think what, what I identified was that, you know, women did want to be empowered in the bedroom. Mm. And, you know, women did want to spice up their own sex lives and choose their own sexy underwear. Um, and I guess just feel empowered in the bedroom. And you mentioned it there about the, the, the kind of party plan idea that, that you came up with and how transformative that was. Can you just uh, tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so I remember going to my very first party and um, a woman at the party were asking me, have you ever thought of doing Anne Summers parties? And I just thought, you know, we want to be, they were saying things like, we want to be able to spice up our sex lives. And I just thought, I think this is a great idea. So it was a very male-dominated business, mm. so the product was aimed at men. But I did see an opportunity for me to 
you know, just go out and try some parties of my own with my own friends. And I lived in Biggin Hill at the time. And I, I remember holding a party with the products that we had and switching on the toys and passing them around and the customers sort of excitedly passing them on. They were nervous, but curious and sort of inquisitive and excited all at the same time. Mm. And I guess I, I could tell very early on there was something in this. It was just about creating a very female-friendly uh, environment where, where women felt comfortable. It's interesting what you said about the, you know, 10% when you started being kind of women who, who, who would shop at Ann Summers. Obviously, you transformed the business. Did you ever have to fight against the notion that, you know, your dad was, was who he was, David Gold, and people said, well, maybe, oh, she's just been given that opportunity. Is that, is that a battle that you faced? Um, I, I mean, you know, of course, it's a, an, an obvious question to ask. I mean, first of all, we must remember my, you know, my father, he, you know, I admire him so much and he, he's been a great mentor to me. But his fame didn't come till much later. Mm. So, you know, Anne Summers was a much smaller business then. It, you know, there were four stores and, you know, it was, it, it was going in a different direction. You know, it was great to have, um, you know, the confidence, you know, his confidence that I could try and do something completely different. And, there, you know, I had a lot of uh, pushback from other, you know, senior members on the board. I remember going to my my first board meeting to talk about the idea that I had. Um, and there must have been about six grey-suited, middle-aged men sitting around the board table. And, you know, I sort of talked about my idea and one board member actually stood up, threw his pen down on the table and said, well, this isn't going to work, is it? Women aren't even interested in sex. So uh, I obviously thought that said a lot more about his sex life than it did about my idea. But um, I had to... Uh, refrain from saying that because mm. you know at the end of the day I was just so passionate I was so passionate about the idea and they they agreed to invest I think it was something like 40,000 uh, which I used to advertise and I used to drive up to the Strand Palace Hotel in my my mustard coloured mini and talk about my idea to the people that had replied to the advert and that's how it grew so I started with those eight women at the party and then the people that I recruited from the advertising, within less than a year, I had 500 sales ambassadors. Um, and it was it was growing at like 20% a year. And it grew so fast, I actually had to stop advertising just to cope with the mm. uh, teething problems. You mentioned that board member there and his, his kind of, uh, his, his sort of approach and attitudes to things. And I mean, things have changed massively, haven't they? I, I guess. And, and in some ways they haven't. And in the last few years, we've seen the rise of, of things like kind of OnlyFans with, with sort of content creators. And do you, do you think when it, when you're reflecting on society's attitudes towards sex since you took over Anne Summers, do you think it has changed or, or, or not? No, I think it has changed for the, uh, for the good and the bad. I think it's changed in different ways. So I think for the good, women definitely are more empowered. Um, and I think Anne Summers has played a big part in that. Mm. And that's something I am very proud of. Um, I, I did a project recently for the BBC where, um, you know, we spent two weeks in Leeds talking to women. We talked to sex workers. We talked to OnlyFans. Um, we talked to strippers. And there is no doubt that women are making a lot of these decisions themselves, whether it's the the path we, we would support or not. Women definitely are more empowered. I think where it's 
not so good. And as the mother of a 12 year old, I think the accessibility of pornography online, I think is a serious problem. And I think the fact that, you know, young boys think that pornography is normal sex and that girls sometimes want to emulate that, I think is worrying. Um, and I think that is something, you know, I would like to see addressed. Mm. So you don't agree with the notion that the only, some say only fans kind of takes advantage of women, but then, you know, you mentioned kind of empowerment there, but, sh- but surely it does empower them because like you say, it, it's a choice thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on this. Mm. I, I can only tell you from my experience and, and uh, the discussions I've had when I did this project. And certainly, you know, these women are opening up their own accounts and, you know, they would argue that they are in charge of their own photography, they're in charge of their own poses, they're in charge of, you know, how far they go, how far they don't. So for me, from what I've seen, I would say those those women are much more empowered than, uh, you know, women that are photographed or videoed in video, mag- uh, you know, magazines or top shelf magazines or videos. I want to talk about uh, resilience now, uh, Jacqueline. Obviously, you know, like, like a lot of people have been successful in business. You've had your kind of ups and downs. You faced adversity. Obviously, you, you are a resilient person. Would you say that's been really, really important in terms of achieving what, what you needed to? Absolutely. In both my personal life and my professional life, I think um, if I had to use one word to describe me, it would be resilience. And I think that, you know, I've overcome a number of challenges in my life. I lost my son at eight months old. Um, I've, uh, uh, I've had breast, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2016. Um, I've been poisoned by my nanny professionally. I've been arrested twice. I've received a bullet through the post. And, you know, that's just a, you know, just a few examples and of course, they were all extremely difficult to deal with. Um, but I think, you know, if you can find some positivity in those type of experiences, you know, and it's very difficult, it's very difficult. But unless you can say this has to, there has to be something positive, something helpful about this experience, Um I, I just don't think you could survive it. Mm. And did, did that kind of make you trust people less or, or, did, or did it not really impact that? Um, you know, people do surprise you. Mm. You know, people that you have great relationships with, um, people that you trust can disappoint. They really can. And, you know, I've certainly experienced that, but it certainly doesn't, it hasn't affected me in the in the way that I don't give up on people. You know, you never know when those curveballs are going to come along, uh, you know, and knock you sideways. I think I wouldn't want to spend my life not trusting people. Um, and I'm glad that I don't. Some people will be critical of uh, the, you know, the, the millennial generation who uh, may be considered a bit more, more kind of flaky than, than maybe your generation. Do you look at all your adversity and do you sometimes get frustrated at, at the, the problems and, and, the, and the worries that the younger people have and, and how they, they maybe don't kind of cope with them as, 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 as maybe you did? Um, I think you have to be a certain type of person to cope with them in the way that I have done. 
Um, I don't think that is a generation thing. Mm. Um, I, I think that's more of a mindset thing and having that self-belief that you can actually get through this. I think that the younger generation have different challenges that we had. I think, for example, social media is a big challenge um, for young people. Yes, there are positives. You know, there's great ways of learning on social media. But, you know, I think it can impact young people's um, well-being, uh, their outlook on life, their, you know, their engagement. You know, I think they are challenges and I think that is the sign of the times. So I think as life goes on, you know, decades, you go from one decade to another, you're just faced with different challenges. Throughout your uh, business career, Jacqueline, do you, you know, how, how have you found networking and, and kind of gaining new links and meeting new people? Is it something you've kind of been successful at or you wish you would have been better at it? Well, it's certainly the one regret I have. I wished I had have networked more. You know, it can be quite difficult for women, particularly if it's, you know, usually networking events. Well, certainly when I started out, were very male dominated. There were very few women and that, you know, can be a bit intimidating but I think it can be intimidating for anybody that is going there on their own. And over time, I've done a lot of workshops and um, events myself with women in particular to help them find ways to overcome being nervous in those situations. And, uh, you know, I would say a lot of it is about the preparation that you do beforehand. It's about knowing who's going to be there, making sure you pick the right events identifying the key people that you want to meet up with, perhaps engaging them with, with them on social media beforehand so that when you go there, you sort of half of you know them and you can follow up the connection that you've had beforehand. Um, and I think it's also remembering that networking isn't about pitching it's about building relationships. Mm. I know. Thanks for that, uh, Jack. I just want to kind of change tack slightly and, and bring you back to March 2020 when, you know, we knew what the pandemic was then, but we hadn't kind of heard of the concept of lockdown. You know, you're a retail leader. What, what was it like? Bring us back to when Boris Johnson said, you know, you've got to close your doors. It, you know, it must, have been, it must have been very difficult. I mean, I, you take me back to that day. I, I remember sitting on my coffee table, mm. staring at the TV and... It, I, I mean, it was like shell shocks. I, I, we all, I mean, I was shell shocked. I was just like, wow, this is really happening. I mean, I'd been reading about different things in the news and about China, but this is really happening. And when he said about closing, closing the stores, I'm, I'm, you know, no retailer will ever have done that. Mm. And, you know, to suddenly be faced with closing over 100 stores was heartbreaking for me. It was my baby. This is what I have built for the last 40 years. Um, and what about all the people I, I employ? I mean, I, you know, I have an army of um, direct selling uh, ambassadors. I've got, you know, a couple of thousand retail colleagues and all our head office colleagues. And it was just heartbreaking. And, and there was a, you know, you there is that moment where you you have you, you takes time to come to terms with that news before you can actually I mean I'm good in a crisis you know let's put a plan together mm. and I've got an awesome team and that's exactly what we did I mean we we sort of preempted that this might happen a week before so we uh, like most businesses I'm sure we set up all of our colleagues with uh, laptops and uh, teams and and then it was about just 
getting on teams every day and and working through through our plan I bet you thought you'd seen everything in business and then that happened yeah I know and it's still happening you know it's still very uncertain times and you know we've we've seen the the world of retail change you know I I remember when you know the web came in that was a big a big change but this was something that was completely forced upon us that we had no no insight to what it would look like in the future would we still have a business in a year's time Thanks uh, for that check. I just want to, this is a bit of a hypothetical one, but if you were to kind of start your business career today, if you're 18 today, what do you think you would end up doing? Would it, would it, would it be the same uh, kind of career and, and sector or, or, or what could you see yourself doing? I know I would always gravitate to something that is related to female empowerment because I feel so passionate about that. Um, obviously, in my own business, I had the opportunity to empower women in the bedroom Later in life, um, I realised that there was, or later in my career, should I say, I realised that there was an opportunity to empower women in the boardroom. You know, I just think about the project I was involved in recently. You know, there are so many issues still facing women. It really is wrong to say that it's job done. Mm. Uh, It it just isn't job done. And it's not going to be done until we stop having these type of conversations. Mm. That's really and just on that point, I know you know empowerment and, and this ESG agenda and sustainability. How have you had to shape Ann Summers to kind of you know to, to to sort of tackle that? Have you have you had to change the business? Um, I mean, we've certainly had to address these mm. issues, and it, it, it's so important. You know, sustainability is very important, and you know that a lot of these things were driven or in sort of escalated by the pandemic because mm. I think the pandemic did shine a light on well-being. It did shine a light on, you know, the things that matter in the world, like global warming and and things like sustainability. So, you know, we have completely um, changed our knicker box collection is now is now virtually all sustainable. I won't say it's all sustainable because it it depends on the product. We also brought out a sustainable range in Ann Summers called My Viv, which actually. I played a big part in that because it, it came about following my my breast cancer treatment, which was a, a lasted for a grueling twelve months. Um, and actually, in Ann Summers, we want you know we're already changing collections to be sustainable, and that's something we're not just doing it to tick a box. We're doing it because we want to do it because we believe in it. Um, so certainly. There's a lot we're doing in that space. And then, of course, we all know that um, the gender issues are, have, are a big conversation, whether that be trans or, you know, and we're really um, moving forward with all of those issues. But one of the things I think we do have to be mindful of is that a lot of these things can, cannot be done. Uh, it's not something that you can just, you know, do in a couple of months. Mm. Um, some of them are complicated. You know, some of them require a lot of understanding and a lot of upskilling. You know, my team have all been upskilled. I've been upskilled, but I still feel I need to know more. Mm. Um, and this this is not something that's going to happen overnight. This is something we will be on a on a journey for. You know, in, in 20, 30 years' time, what, what will Anne Summers look like and what, what do you want its legacy uh, to be? Gosh, I mean, can anybody predict what mm. they're going to be like in 30 years' time? L- you know, let alone... You know, can we do we know what we're going to be like in six months time or a year's time? You know, I think the key with retail is to be really agile. 
And I think those companies that have been agile during the pandemic have proved that they can adjust to different uh, environments, different changes. And of course, with social media, you know, all of those things that matter to people are amplified on social media and, you know, travel very quickly and become global within, you know, a matter of days. So, you know, retailers do have to adapt very quickly. And I I think that we are very well positioned to respond to those type of things. Um, I... I obviously want Ann Summers to be a global brand. I'm very proud of Ann Summers. I think the new generation coming through, we, you know, we definitely have a younger generation than we've seen in the past shopping in our stores. They love what we're doing. They love the diversity of the ranges. They love the diversity of our campaigns. Um, you know, we've adapted very quickly to that. We have a squad of uh, nine girls in our campaigns some of them are models, some of them are influencers, some of them are customers, all shapes and sizes. And, um, you know, we've even had a, a model with a prosthetic leg. But they're all, they've all got one thing in common. You know, they're all sassy. They're all um, uh, confident. They're all confident in their own skin. And as long as you, you stand by your values, um, I think, you know, the customer can really see that and identify with it. So we're reevaluating ourselves all the time. And when I think what we've achieved in the last, the last two to three years during a, cam- a pandemic, prior to that, during, you know, other difficulties with, uh, you know, um, legislative costs and, and, you know, burdens put on us by the government, I, I think Anne Summers has done really well. Mm. Um, but, you know, going, sorry, going back to your original question about legacy, uh, it it will always be sexual empowerment for every woman. Uh, you know, you, you're a very successful female business leader. Is there anyone that you have kind of a, you've been inspired by throughout your career? Uh, you know, that in terms of like peers or or, or, or other people uh, who who might be in business or not. Well, I think there are people that have inspired me, but it's a it's changing. It mm. changes all the time because I'm, as I'm sure it does for for many people. Right now, I would say, and these are two people I've never mentioned before, but interestingly, I'm going to say Anita Roddick. I've never called her out before, but the reason I choose her is because I think she, she was the first person to have a purpose, you know, and I think successful businesses today are those that have a purpose. She had a purpose she put her stake firmly in the ground and she really owned it. And while she's not with us anymore, Body Shop is still very relevant today. Mm. And I'm sure that would be the reason. I also admire um, Sarah Blakely, who uh, founded Spanx, sold it for a huge amount of money. Uh, I think she's very inspirational. And I think she sort of epitomizes those women, those business women especially, that have found a gap in the market and followed something that they are passionate about. Um, And my third choice actually probably would be Stephen Bartlett, Mm. who I met not so long ago, and he interviewed me for a podcast. I I think for the younger generation to have somebody so uh, relevant, current, uh, engaging... um, and in an industry, you know, that matters more than ever right now, 
Um, and he was a great interviewer as well. Mm. So, yes, I think he, he certainly deserves to be in my top three. Our, our readers are aspirational business leaders. They, they want to be you. Uh, so any, any advice to them and, and, and what they should kind of do? Um, so my key advice would be, um, I think first, you know, the first thing is about, you know, whatever business you go into, it's about having a purpose. I think the second thing, and that, that purpose needs to some, be something that you are, that is really authentic to you. I think, uh, you know, having a USP that really sets you apart from the competition, um, I think is really important. That's something mm. we've always done. We don't want to be a me too. Adjusting to your environment, like we have done with, uh, and summers during the pandemic, we, we saw this challenge and we focused on our, we have four channels, four routes to market. So we focused on our direct selling channel and, um, we grew our date, we grew our, our ambassador database from 4,000 to 22,000 people which was incredible. And a lot of that was through engagement online. And I think it's just about, particularly for women readers, it's about self-belief. Um, and if you ever doubt yourself, then, you know, keep a list of all your achievements, read them back to yourself before you go into a, um, you know, a meeting or something that might give you a wobble, whether it's a networking event or whatever and it's amazing how powerful that can be just just uh, finally what what's one uh, fact that we can't find about you online uh, oh goodness <laughs> um I, I it's really hard to answer that because mm. i am very um transparent and very open about myself it's probably on social i am i am a keen gardener okay i'm ve- i'm i've i'm vegan now which okay. um yeah uh I wasn't before. So um, I'm vegan. I grow my own vegetables. Mm. Um, I'm very good at crossword puzzles. Mm. So, um, I mean, my husband's always quite shocked at, you know, I'll sit on a train, the two hour journey ahead, get out a puzzle and I'll just show him how fast I can do it. And I'm literally thinking about the next clue while I'm writing the last question. 